diversity, there is beauty and there is strength. Be the best version of yourself because somebody else has already taken. Only the fearless can be great. Failure is a choice. Don't be afraid to go that extra mile because when you do, you realise there aren't that many people out there. Welcome to She Has a Goal in Mind, brought to you each week by Darcy Morris and Gabriella Dukes. This week's guest is writer and assistant producer at Eat Sleep Media, Megan Faringa. She told us what brought her to Wales all the way from the USA, her love for writing and poetry, and how she became such a big Welsh football fan. We hope you enjoy listening and don't forget to like, subscribe and follow us on social media at A Goal in Mind Podcast. Hi guys. Hello, you are right? How are y'all? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, really good. Thank you. <laughs> but oh, yeah, honestly, thank you so much for joining us on, on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm I'm excited to figure out exactly what my goal in mind is. This is exciting. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna yeah. go on like a personal venture with you guys. This is good. <laughs> real time. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you do, yeah. <laughs> well, first things first. Um probably our listeners can tell about now that you've got an American accent yes yes I do so you're not from Wales and but you work as a production assistant for Eat Sleep Media which are based in Cardiff Mm -hmm. so what brought you to Wales from the US what made you decide to come here uh you guys want the long answer the short answer the short answer the long the long everything about you um (laughs) so I I'm from New Orleans and I'd gone to school in Alabama I went to school in Auburn I took journalism as my undergrad that's the thing that I was doing but by my senior year my last year in uni I had absolutely no idea what I was doing had no clue I had a few job offers in a few places a couple in New York um I was gonna have to take out a loan essentially to live there which I just didn't really want to do Um, It came to about the halfway point in my senior year, and I decided that I was going to go hiking with my my triplet sister, and I was going to take her up to North Georgia. I was going to be great. I was going to be the hiking guide, and I got us so horribly lost that we were 12 miles (laughs) off the beaten path and ended up on another highway. It was (laughs) awful, and I realized that it was kind of a manifestation of where my life was headed in the sense that I had no idea what I was doing both in the woods and in my own life. So I had a mental (laughs) breakdown in the woods, had no idea. I was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And my sister was applying for a Fulbright in Cardiff. And she said, why don't you apply with me? And I was like, yeah, that actually sounds, that sounds all right. So she got us back home, back to like the car and then literally got me to Cardiff. Um, We got home. I applied got in. She ended up not coming to Cardiff because she got another incredible offer at another university back in the States. So she ended up taking that. And yeah, about a few months later, I'd hopped on a plane. I sat next to a wonderful Welsh man named Di. He was a big burly man with red hair, but no (laughs) hair on the top, only hair on his beard, lots of tattoos on his legs. um, And he shared me a lot of stuff about Welsh folk music and taught me who Gareth Bale was, which was very cool. Ah. That sounds incredible. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was um it's a story and a half in itself. And there's so many other details there. But yeah, essentially that is what led me to Cardiff. And I didn't, I really had no idea what I was gonna do. I knew journalism was gonna be the master's degree that I was pursuing, but I could not tell you what was going to happen within the year. I was hoping that Cardiff would give me an answer, but okay, this is what you're gonna do with your life. So it's, it's done it. It's definitely unraveled in a way yeah. I never expected it to. So, 
But it sounds like you made a good choice for yourself anyway. How long have you actually been in Cardiff? So now it would be about, gosh, we're getting on to two years. So I moved here September 2019, um, did the Masters, obviously midway through the Masters, the pandemic hit. So I stayed in Cardiff until about October 2020. And that's when the second wave was kind of getting really horrible. I hadn't seen my family in so long. Mm -hmm. So I figured, right, I'll go back to the States. And then I got a job offer to come back to Cardiff towards the end of December. So I moved back in the middle of a pandemic, which I don't recommend to anyone. If you, <laughs> yeah. you have that desire to move countries, just don't do it during a pandemic. It's, it's quite <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah that sounds like hell of a journey for you but you know you're doing so well and you with Eat Media and you're a massive fan now of Welsh football of the Swans so tell us about that how did you become such a big fan I will be honest I hated football before I moved to this country I absolutely despised it um <laughs> I it was more of like a jealousy like you know when you um you know when you're like very jealous of someone's boyfriend you're like oh I hate that person but really you just you want them um that was my relationship <laughs> with football so my brother my triplet brother was an absolute beast on the pitch um if he could have been like a reincarnated Messi, he could have uh, he's just a little bit too short um. and weak so mm, unfortunate <laughs> But yeah, so he was absolutely incredible. We both tried out for the under sevens team at my local club. I was not accepted. My brother was. So immediately I was like, okay, I don't like the sport. And as I grew up, I became my brother's de facto goalie. And he would just pound me with shots all day long. I would have a baseball helmet on. I'd have oven mitts. I'd wrap pillows around myself just to try to like not get bruised up. So football to me was an extremely hurtful, bruising thing. And I did not appreciate it very much. Um, but I moved to Cardiff and a friend of mine was a um, huge Swansea fan. And I just kind of like the idea of there being a little bit of an underdog there. And then I went to the Wales Hungry Euro 2020 qualifier. That was kind of the final deciding moment. Aaron Ramsey scored a brace and I just ate up the entire event. It was incredible. I had full grown men crying next to me as the anthem was going on. It just everything on the pitch was spectacular and you could feel the energy in the stadium, which sounds so cliche, but I'd never been in a sporting arena in that capacity before. And I knew people had talked about the way that that football in this country works, but I had kind of never bought into it and going to that game, completely bought into it, sold my soul to it and went home, bought about a billion different books about football and just told myself, right, you're going to learn, you're going to learn the sport. And I've, I've taught myself pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Awesome. You're like proper expert now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so obviously, um, like college soccer and stuff is, is you know, and, and sport in America is is just pretty big, isn't it? And college um, sport anyway is, is massive, isn't it? So when you were back in America, did you go to see many games there? Or was it, was it literally just your love came from football when you moved oh, to I, I was a huge huge sports fanatic back home I, I grew up playing basketball my whole life I was cross-country I almost went to play basketball in college that was one of the things I considered doing but um, as you know probably this the college rigor in in the U.S. is very very intense and I wanted mm -hmm. to have more of a university experience and really focus on my studies so my brother and my sister both played um, university sports and they were just incredible I went to my brother's games all the time every Saturday I was down at the American football stadium. I went to basketball games all the time. So I was a huge sports fanatic. I absolutely loved it. 
but f- soccer or football was not the sport. That was just not what <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd go to baseball games. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to go to the soccer game. But yeah, that, there's nothing that beats this. Now, when I moved back just for that little, that little stint that I did, I couldn't even sit through an American football match because it was so long and so boring. And I was like, I can't do this. Really? Yeah, I was waking up at four or five in the morning to come and watch all the, the football I was missing over here because I couldn't, I couldn't take American sports anymore. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so you converted then to, you're like a Welsh, basically honorary Welsh woman now. I really am. <laughs> Even like some Mother's Day just passed in the States and it took me about the full 24 hours before I realized, oh shoot, that's my family. Like that's my Mother's Day. <laughs> like, I thought that's it, where I'm from. I was like, oh shoot, the, I thought the Welsh one, that's mine. <laughs> Uh, you've mentioned that a lot about about your family and you seem very close to like you said you're a triplet which is no such a unique thing as well so how difficult is it being living away from your family it's tough I won't lie uh especially during a pandemic so obviously when you're not in the middle of a pandemic you can distract yourself and you don't really realize how far away you are but yeah during a pandemic it's a lot harder to be away from your family just because those moments I mean, a phone call is incredible, but there's always that glitch. There's a lag and it reminds mm-hmm. you of how far away you truly are from those people that that you love. But saying that, my parents were really big on my my siblings and I kind of moving out of the house as quickly as possible. They loved us. It wasn't because they were pushing us out. They were annoying. Um, but they really wanted us to go see the world. So I went to a school that was about five to six hours away. My brother went to a different school that was five hours away. My sister went to one that was about 14 hours away. So we had always sort of known what it was going to be like to be away. Um, But that said, I could just drive home. I obviously could not just drive home being over here. So that, that is a little bit tough, but I mean, my, my dad's a huge soccer fan. So he and I are constantly messaging about it. Same with my brother. We're constantly messaging about it. They're huge Manchester United fans. Kills me. Um, <laughs> so I really have to temper myself sometimes. But it's fun because we, we find ways. And I'm sure that the two of you have also, you know, been able to sort of do the same thing with your parents. And I find that when you're still just an hour away from someone that you love, no matter what, it's the same feeling. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you just sort of have to, you have to bridge the gaps and, and take them as they come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you think then that you'll stay in Wales or do you think that you may go back to the US in, at some time soon? Or? Well, that, that's the question that I was asking myself last night. Um, <laughs> I So my contract with Eat Sleep Media, it um, expires in December. It's more onto the visa situation as to whether or not mm-hmm. I'm allowed to stay. So the UK government right now has my destiny in the palm of its hand, which mm-hmm. is a little scary, but, um, yeah, so that, that's where it is right now. I would love to stay in Wales. I love, I adore this place as it's raining outside my window and I'm saying that so <laughs> that's a lot, yeah. but I, I really do love Wales and I haven't gotten to explore it as much as I want to. I haven't gotten to see the North Wales at all. I've barely gotten to see much of West Wales. So there's whole pockets that I really want to go and explore and experience. And I think, being away from the States has kind of grown me as a person as well. So I don't want to end the adventure just yet. And also if I go back to the States, again, I have to wake up at 6am to watch Swansea play. And I just, I don't want to do that on a Saturday morning. Yeah. It's just so inconvenient, isn't it? It's so inconvenient. And then all the football usually ends by about 2pm on a Saturday or yeah. a Sunday. And then for the rest of the day, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I just want to watch football again, but I've got, you know, 12, 24 hours before that can happen. 
<laughs> As you mentioned, your job now is largely based on football, isn't it? You do run the Welsh football fans accounts and proper ballers. So everything that you do is football based. So tell us a little bit about what you do with Eastlake Media. Um, what is the day to day like for you? So the day to day depends. Um, I like you said, I do Welsh football fans. So I'm content producer. So I'm making. It could be anything from social media videos to clips to longer form videos to all the articles that you see come out. Usually most of those are going to be going to be by me. Um, we try to engage with people on social media, same with ballers. We try to interview some people and get videos out. But then that said, I do a ton of stuff that's not related to football at all. So I do work with Sports Wales. I do a lot of presenting. I do um, kind of records and and video snippets and, and edits and things like that throughout the week to try to push out to some of our other projects. It's a lot. It's a lot of different sort of fun pieces. So no one day is ever the same. And a lot of times it's not a nine to five. So if I do get a day where it's nine to five, it feels strange. Um, so yeah, normally it's a lot of different projects constantly going on, lots of juggling, but the constants are always Welsh football fans. I'm always producing some sort of content for them. We have our live show every Thursday and we try to get guests on. So this week we'll have a couple of the bands that are that did the song for the Euros this summer. So they'll come on, we'll talk to them. And usually I'm cutting up some videos from that, that interview and putting them out the next week. So there's those constants. But for the other aspects, yeah, I wake up on in the morning and it's just kind of like, wow, here's what you get to do today. And I'm like, yeah, sounds great. And then I try to balance it all. Like, I don't know, a circus clown. I've actually seen some of the content you created for Welsh football fans, um, such as the match reports and stuff like that. And I just think that your writing is incredible and you seem very creative. So would you say that's one of your strengths? Yeah, I'd say ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer. Um, when I was seven. I wrote a book. Um, it wasn't very good. I don't recommend that you go find it. Um, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure my mom kept it somewhere. But um, yeah, I wrote a book and I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to be a writer when I grow up. And both of them rolled their eyes and said, you're going to be a doctor. And that is that. And I said, no. Um, and I did throughout university. I said, I'm not going to do it. My parents were livid with me because they did not want me going down this journalism route. But I, I do. I love I love writing. It's always my thing. I never imagined I'd go into sports writing, but it is such a creative avenue. It's so much fun. And I think a lot of people nowadays are starting to really enjoy longer form pieces. And it's kind of going against the grain of what so many people are kind of dismissing as our generation saying, oh no, people only want really tiny content. They can only like fathom so much at a time. Like they, they can't sit there and, and read something for that long. But I really do think that we're kind of just not destroying the narrative, but kind of tapering with it a little bit and saying, no, that's not really true. People can read really long, fun pieces if it's enjoyable. So that's kind of where my heart lies is, is in that section. But again, you can't just be a writer in today's day. You have to do a variety of different things and I'm learning that quickly. So yeah. <laughs> No, you are definitely such a talented writer. Darcy and I were saying before you joined and um, joined the call that you know how talented you are, and I love reading your pieces for Welsh uh, football fans. And yeah, it's Thank amazing. You guys, that makes me so happy. <laughs> Oh man, got my heart off lottery. Thank you. <laughs> Thought you deserve it. <laughs> but also, um, talking about creating content, you create content for proper ballers, which empowers the women's football game. So is that something that's important to you, empowering the women's sport as well? 
Yeah, definitely. Just because obviously I, I'm a woman, I come from that. And as a kid growing up, I'd been told uh, so many times, no, you can't play that sport. Because I remember <laughs> as, a, as a little girl, I wanted to play on the flag football team so, so badly. I think I was eight or nine years old. And uh, there was an only, it was an only boys team. And I was like, I'm going to call my, my granddad because he's a lawyer and he's going to sue you. So I wrote out this whole <laughs> letter to the school board saying why I should be allowed to play to play um, flag football and sent it to the school board. The principal came over and he was like, you really can't sue the school school board or threaten to sue the school board. I was like, I just want to play this game. And I remember him just sitting there looking at me with such pity and being like, no, this is a boy's sport. And as a girl, as an eight-year-old girl, that really hits you hard because you can either take that, sit there and say, right, that's a boy's world. This is a girl's world. There's a line there and you can't cross it or you can fight it. Um, so the next day I put a hat on, um, put my hair up and borrowed my brother's gym clothes and went out there and said, I'm now a boy. So yeah, so let me play. <laughs> and, and they did, they let me play because the coach just found it hysterical and I played and it was fine. It was no big deal. They found out that I wasn't made of glass. They could push me on the ground and I would push them <laughs> yeah. right back and, Yes. And then that's just, that's just one thing as an eight-year-old girl, you, you, you hear that. And there, I know there are so many girls out there who heard something like that and didn't do anything about it or just took it in and said, right, that's, that's my life. And that's that. So I think empowering girls at every level, especially in sport, because that's where you grow as a kid. That's when you learn all those little things that end up applying to your, to your later life. You learn that in sport. So if we can do that, then that's just going to help the generations to come. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely and I think that that's such a, a crazy story that you did that and that's, that's amazing you know standing up for yourself and just doing what you want to do and showing others that you know that we, we should be able to do whatever we put our minds to exactly. no one should be there to stop us yeah but yeah yeah it was um, my parents were a little bit like ashamed I, I don't know not ashamed but when they yeah. came to come pick me up from detention they were like did you really do this and I was like I did <laughs> yeah this is this is what I did <laughs> I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So oh, yeah, it could have been a whole lot worse. I could have picked a fight. I mean, I don't always yeah. put a hat on. Like it was you you were just starting up for something that you wanted to do. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> so with the Euros coming up then, how will you prepare and how important is that for you? Oh, I am so excited. We actually had a meeting today about what we're gonna do for the Euros because it's about to be all hands on deck. Um, so obviously we'll have, you know, articles coming out left and right. Cause Paige will have all of his different, you know, reports and stuff coming out and we'll have interviews with some of the players, but I really love getting inside the fan aspects of things and getting inside families and things like that. Cause one of the coolest thing about Welsh football is how sort of tied the fans and the players and that atmosphere is. So I've sort of gotten in contact with a few players, families, a few pretty like, intense fans if you want to call them that and I'm hoping to sort of get some more fun pieces out there and really show sort of the love and the respect that people have for this team because especially with it being like this this second time to kind of do something and we can definitely qualify in this group I think there's not a problem of us getting out of this group stage yeah. if we play our cards right and I mean Italy's a big fish it's a very very big scary fish um, but I do think that we can we can beat them. But yeah, so for content wise, it's going to be a lot of articles, lots of video. We're thinking about doing some really fun stuff around kind of in like incorporating the fans into it because a lot of people aren't going to be able to go to the games. They're not going to, be able to go to Baku. Mm -hmm. I really don't think people are going to be allowed into Italy. So it's going to be 
lots of videoing with fans watching the game, lots of interaction in that kind of way and, and making people feel like they're still a part of the red wall, even if we can't technically be in that. Yeah. And it was going to be such a crazy one this year because, you know, like you said, not many Welsh fans or we won't be able to travel anywhere. So it's going to be strange compared to the last Euros where, you know, it was just crazy. People were traveling everywhere. We weren't going home for four weeks and months. I'm a little so, jealous because yeah. I didn't get to experience that. And yeah. everyone has talked about it for the last two years. That's all I've heard is, oh, France is amazing. Euro 2016. I was like, yeah. oh, I can't yeah. wait to experience it. And then this happened, which is obviously I'm so I'm glad that people aren't rushing to go and travel and we're taking the, the precautions that we need to. But it is a little bit of a punch to the gut when I have to find out that I'm just going to stay in Cardiff for these yeah. weeks. When it comes to sporting <laughs> events, just kind of it puts a dampener on things, doesn't it? But let's just just be happy that fans are to come back. That's going ahead as well. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they are kind of testing out fans going to sporting events now. Yeah, so, Albania, people are going to be let in, and I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah. hopeful that Chris Gunter, obviously, hopefully he'll be he'll be a part of that squad and he'll get on the pitch because I'd, I'd gotten a go to Chris Gunter's um Chris Gunter's cap, hundred cap, and it was the first mm-hmm. game I'd ever really gotten a go to as a reporter, and it was I mean, it was amazing, but it was definitely missing fans. You could just kind of tell yeah. that the team fed off of the fans, and they still played incredible, but yeah you could tell that they were definitely missing that that extra little kick yeah definitely I think that's what what was important in the last Euros because you know we we didn't expect for Wales to do so well but because Mm -hmm. of the crowds I think that definitely helps doesn't it the atmosphere the Welsh support the Welsh family um I think yeah it's going to make a difference this year but fingers crossed you know we'll do well yeah (laughs) hopefully yeah (laughs) What would you say then is the best part about your job? Best part about my job? Oh, the interviews. I love interviewing people. So for example, I'm working on a piece right now. I'm trying to finish it up because I'm horrible at being like, yeah, I'll give myself an hour to write this. And seven hours later, I'm like, oh, what is this sentence going to do? So, um, but I got to interview some of the photographers around um, the Wales setup. So Andrew Dowling, John Smith, Lewis Mitchell, and just kind of getting to see what, you know, they've, been up to this year in this crazy year of chaos and kind of how they they got to this point in their careers and you know I'm probably only going to use about five to ten minutes of that interview each interview lasted about 40 minutes because I was just like wow tell me about this one moment that you did this or that and I love getting to talk to people and learning all their stories and I just think it is so so cool even if it doesn't go anywhere I just genuinely love to interview those people find out their stories and just discover more about them because each person can teach you something that is beyond wicked cool so yeah like today I think it was Lewis who was telling me about just kind of photography and kind of how he sees it and the science behind it but also it not being a science and it was just a way of thinking that I had never really considered and I think you can really only get that in an interview with someone so I do find myself at times though like if I'm sitting at dinner with friends I'll find myself asking a lot of questions. People be like, are you interviewing me? And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to do this, but we are here. This is where we're at. <laughs> That's really interesting that you do that on a daily basis. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of comes part of who you are, especially when you love finding out about people's lives. I'm quite, I think I'm the same. I love talking to people, learning about them. So yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. Yeah, definitely. I think that's part of being a journalist as well, though. It's kind yeah. of like you, you, you're very, you can be... Um, What's the word instead of nosy? Curious? 
Um, no, curious is a good no, one. In- inquisitive, inquisitive. <laughs> yeah. I like how you're like not nosy because that's not what it is. So it's, yeah. it's entirely nosiness. That is what this is. We're incredibly nosy. <laughs> yeah. So who is there anyone that you would love to interview then that you haven't had the chances to interview yet? Oh, that's a tough one. Um I think I would absolutely adore getting to interview. I really want to interview Ethan Ampadu. I just think that he would be absolutely fantastic, but mostly just because I just have, I've never actually heard him like speak in an interview before. So it's more just, again, me just being nosy and being like, what does this sound like? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like what is what is his answer is going to be? But I, I personally love interviewing parents. I love interviewing parents about their kids and sort of getting to know them that way. So I probably want to interview either like Chris Gunter's parents or Gareth Bale's parents or Jess Fishlock's parents. I think Jess Fishlock's parents would be really, really fun to talk to. So yeah, because I got to talk to Reese Norrington Davis's dad and that was just such a fun thing because you can interview the kids all you want. I love interviewing the youngsters. They will only give you about this much. Um, and they then they're like, I'm going to go play Xbox. So then they go off and play Xbox. But if you interview their moms or their dads, they will tell you everything. And it is absolutely fantastic because you actually get to feel like you know these kids and you you watch them on the pitch and you feel like you're growing with them. You're like, wow, this is so amazing. So like when Reese had gotten the call up, I got message Patrick and I was like, oh my God, like this is awesome. And <laughs> I had to remind myself that Reese was not like, he didn't even know who I was. But I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. I'm so proud for him. So, so yeah, I'm not sure. I think really just with any interview, I get super excited. So I wouldn't want to say, I wouldn't want to put one interview over the next yeah. one. Um, but it would be absolutely incredible to interview Gareth Bale's parents. I think the thing that would be yeah. really good. Yeah, that'd be so interesting. Yeah. So, so cool. Yeah. Such, such an incredible story. And I think that what, what you said, you can get so easily attached to people and obviously with the parents and, and them talking about their kids and their journeys, it's kind of a bit more personal and a bit more special. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And with a lot of the parents, they're so intrinsic in that journey too, because, you know, they're the ones yeah. that are waking up super early to bring their kids to wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. And I know with Reese's mom and dad, I mean, they were working full-time jobs and also driving them to all these places. And I mean, the drive from Aberystwyth to Swansea is not a short one and and both parents were doing it. So it's just, it's crazy to think that that level of of loyalty and commitment from the parents has ended up in what is occurring on the pitch. So it is, it's very cool. And I think, yeah, again, the parents, they're like the pictures and the stories they tell you, oh, they're just, they're so good. They're so (laughs) much fun. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. What, what are your goals then for this year or where do you see yourself in a few years? Do you see yourself still working in, in football? Um, I, I want to say yes, but I also know that life is so volatile and so changeable that, you know, trying to guess what is going to happen in a couple of years time is honestly like attempting to predict if a pandemic will hit. You just, you don't know, mm-hmm, like yeah. everything is going to change the way it is. And, you know, a year and a half ago, if you told me that I'd be doing this job, I wouldn't have believed you for a second. So I don't want to say that I'm going to be in any specific pocket, but I will say that I definitely want to see myself still writing. That is a huge, huge goal of mine, no matter what I'm doing. I hope that I'm still telling stories, telling stories about people, telling those good, good kind of emotional polling ones that make you love, hate, cry, all the good things. So 
yeah, that's definitely sort of my bigger goal. Cause I try not to get too attached into the details of a goal. Cause then, you know, if one of those details doesn't happen, you might get a little bit let down, but if your main goal is, okay, I want to be a writer. I want to be producing these types of stories. I want to be happy, but I want to be challenged. Then if you get to the end of, of the year and all those things are hit, but maybe not in the way you always thought they were going to, then you can't be let down. You can only be happy that you've still got those four components. So yeah, mm-hmm. that would be it. That's also my roundabout way of saying, I have no idea what's going to happen the next day. <laughs> so, so yeah. You made it sound so, ins- I was going to say, that's so inspiring though, what you were just saying. <laughs> then you had- I was feeling then, so yeah. empowered. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing for when I get to tell my parents, like suddenly, mom, dad, I'm going to go and work on a, a farm in, in Australia. What do you think about this? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so what advice then would you give anyone that wants to follow in your footsteps, maybe become a writer or even someone wanting to move another country to come and work? What would you um, tell them? For writing, I'd say read. I mean, it sounds like such a, a cliche, but read as much as you can and don't read the things that maybe you're writing. So I love The Athletic. I, I think The Athletic is absolutely incredible. But at night, I find myself reading any sort of fiction I can get my hands on. I'm a huge poetry nerd, so I'm always reading poetry, things like that. And I find that when I read those kinds of things, it really does tell in my writing. So always reading if you want to be a writer reading all sorts of fun stuff because you never know when just picking up a random guardian piece about fashion might somehow there's there's a word in there something that you love or a phrase and you think oh wait that's actually really like just it's what I need for my piece and it's it reminds me of this reminds me of that so yeah definitely reading and then as for moving countries just do it don't even think about it just don't even think about it just press the button and say right I'm going to do it and then afterwards, you realize the repercussions of your decision and realize you cannot back out. So because you cannot back out, you have to do it. And then you can't, you can't, you, know, you can't say no. So that's usually how I go about doing my life is if I don't know whether or not I really want to do something, it's usually kind of a flip a coin sort of thing. It's just you either do it or you don't. And if you do it, then you have to do it. So I find that with like all sorts of things. I was technically, I was a very introverted kid. Um, I really didn't, I would hide behind my mom's leg and stuff. And by the time I turned seven, I heard someone call me an introvert. I didn't know what it meant, but it sounded like an insult. I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be that way. So (laughs) everything I did, I forced myself to do. And now it's, it's definitely gotten me to this new country and, I still get scared. I still get scared all the time. I'm, I still haven't gone to little cause little scares me. Um, I don't know how to navigate little, so I still have yet to go. Um, but you know, like, well, baby steps, baby steps. I finally yeah, walked yeah, into a yeah. Morrison's the other day. I was like, this is what Morrison's is. Okay. This is cool. Yeah, but then supermarkets in America is so big. So I know, you know like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any yeah. sense at all. I think it was cause everyone was telling me about them. I think it's the middle of little they talk about it like it's a black hole. So yeah. it really scares me. Because I'm one of those people who stays on the outsides when they go to the supermarket because they're like, okay, you can't get sucked in if you're on the outsides. Um, but the moment I get sucked into one of the chip aisles, I'm done. It's like two and a half yeah. later, two and a half hours later, I'm walking out. I've got popcorn like stuffed out my bra. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I don't get with American supermarkets though is you can walk in and buy a gun, but you can't buy alcohol. 
so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah no we're 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 a country of conundrums um very proudly so there are, there are a lot of things that don't make any sense in the country that I come from and I learned that very quickly when I went back um, last fall because yeah. I, again like I had just so many things I forgot how big America is a lot of our houses yeah. just everything we own seems to be you know just just giant so that was that was very strange the cars were bigger I, I couldn't just being on the wrong side of the road was weird again. So, but again, like I, it's one of the reasons why I love, I love living here. I love Wales so, so much. So, you know, hopefully I can stay for as long as I can and I'll always be a Welsh football fan. So that's, that's not going to change. <laughs> World yeah. Cup is going to really hurt my heart. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Keep pulling I know. you back. <laughs> so, at the end of the podcast, then we ask three questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, can you tell us something unique about yourself? Not many other people would know. Oh, not many people would know. It's a tough one. Um, I guess that I hunt, I hunt and I fish. That's something that I've always, oh, cool. I've always grown up doing. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, my family's were from the South. So my family's always a big hunting and fishing family. And then normally people wouldn't know that because when I've been in Cardiff, I've, I've been very vegan. Um, so it's a very, yeah. it's a very different sort of thing, but, um, I'm yeah. So I, whenever I go home, I only eat meat that either my family or myself has either caught or hunted. Um, and if it's not locally sourced in that fashion then I then I won't eat it so yeah I've always grown up that way and so always way that I've been so that's something that definitely people don't really know about me but I don't necessarily yell it because being a hunter in this country is not something that people really smile about I've noticed so I usually try not to (laughs) yeah but if I explain it people like okay that's interesting I'm like yeah so yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's more it's, of a norm though, isn't it, in the South? And- yeah, it, it's it's just a way of life. So it's it's very and it's also just a way of I mean, I remember when like Christmas would come along, one of the ways that we would have Christmas dinner was if my brother, or my dad, or myself had had either shot the deer or or gotten the turkey or gotten the fish that we were gonna do. If we didn't, it was really unfortunate because we didn't have that, we didn't have that for Christmas. And so hmm. yeah, it was it was definitely more along those lines that we were doing those kinds of things. So it was it was very cool, it was very eye-opening. Um, I think as a kid, it teaches you a lot. So it was very, very neat. I don't know if I could go back and hunt. I think I think I'd have a little bit of an issue now. Um yeah. So I but I, I also don't use guns. I only use a bow and arrow. So that's also something else that people don't know. That's really yeah, that's cool. really that's really yeah, it's really interesting actually because it you know you I always think of UK and America like kind of similar, but then there are so many differences in so many ways like that. Like it's like a cultural difference, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah that's really interesting. So next question is if you could invite any three people to a dinner party, who would it be and why? Oh, okay. Frank O'Hara is my favorite poet of all time. So he has to be up there because I just think he's so eccentric and so weird. Mm. Um, so he'd have to be up there. Ooh, the two other ones. That's really tough. Okay, I think I'd have to go with, honestly, my grandma. I love my grandma and I would just have her there because she's really funny yeah. and she's really good at telling stories. And also I think her and Frank would get along really well. <laughs> so, okay. That's those two. And then probably, 
I would choose. I'm going to go with Shaquille O'Neal. I love Shaquille O'Neal. I used to play basketball (laughs) and I had a poster of him in my room and it was a life-size poster. So like six foot something Shaquille O'Neal was on my wall Um, and it was awesome. So yeah, I probably go there because I just think he's so cool and he's so fun. That is definitely not the three answers that I'm going to really relish when I get off of this. I'm going to come up with much better ones, but those are the three that popped into my head first. As I say, that's that's definitely a mix of people, isn't it? I mean, just in dinner party. (laughs) What about you guys? Do you guys have y'all's go-to three or do you constantly change? I I don't know. I've never actually thought about it. We ask these questions and I wouldn't be able to answer them myself <laughs> well now you got to i'll just put on the spot come on the two of you let's go um oh that's really difficult you could do one each so that way it's not like yeah. one person oh, goes gosh. all at one time yeah so like one person goes first and the next one uh i really like beyonce oh, okay. mine. Yeah. Hmm. because i would just like to know about her life and what she's like in real life i want to know what her favorite cereal is i'm so desperate yeah. to know this about her because i just think because your favorite cereal says so much about you and i just feel like beyonce would either be something totally wild or something so just generic like honey nut cheerios i just want to know yeah. <laughs> i don't know i i feel like there's so many interesting people um, there are so many and like, from different areas as well like sport wise who would i choose yeah sport wise yeah who would like, I want? Do you know, growing up, I always loved Jessica Ennis. Oh, I'm not sure yeah. if you know it. I always, like, I wanted to be Jessica Ennis growing up because I, I did athletics and, you know, she was, like, kind of my idol. So I'd love to, like, sit down and have a chat with her, I think. But then there's so many others as well. Mm. And Serena, Serena Williams, I think, would be quite interesting as well. Mm. Oh, because yeah. Because she's quite, like, a powerful woman. I'm going for all powerful women, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe we, we should think about it, Gab, and then I know I'm gonna have to I probably will be thinking all night now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go choose. back on this and definitely rethink my Shaquille O'Neal decision. That was rash. That was not a very good one. Can I can I take it back? Can I say just fishlock? I'm gonna say just fishlock. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she would be cool. Yeah, her Tash Harding, I think the two of them would be. Yeah. I'm gonna combine the two of them. So they're 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 a package deal. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so the third question then is, uh, what is your favorite quote and why? Oh, what is my favorite quote? Okay, so I, this is going to sound silly, but I, like I said, I, I really do love poetry. And one of my favorite poets is is E.E. E. Cummings, and he has this poem called A Leaf Falls Loneliness. Um, and he does it very cool. It's all like broken up into different letters and it's arranged very neatly or whatever. Um, and it was this poem that really spoke to me because I just thought that it was, it was so cool the idea a leaf falls loneliness. Um, and it's sort of this idea that like, no matter what a leaf is going to fall, but I love leaves. I think leaves are so fantastic in the way that they can just pick up and move and go. And yet they're still so happy the way that they are. And everyone looks at leaves and they think, wow, the leaves are blowing. It's so, it's so wonderful. It's so nice. And they sort of embody what emotion is. So I don't know why I always find myself always kind of thinking about that, that poem and sort of how it can change. And again, like how life changes and how volatile it can be. So that's, that's one of my favorite quotes. It's not necessarily inspiring, um, but I do love no, it. No, no, it's so. good. Lovely. Yeah, it's got a good meaning behind it, hasn't it? Yeah. He, he's, yeah. again, one of my one of my favorite poets. So he's very, very cool. 
Oh, yeah, I suppose when you read a lot of poetry, kind of a lot, a lot of different, um, not maybe sayings instead of quotes, then sayings or words, yeah, um, can they, they they resonate with you, don't they? When you, when you when you read poetry, so yeah. I, I expect probably you have a lot in your head you can't really think about right now, but um, yeah, that's that's so interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's a couple, and E. Cummings is he's brilliant, but he's very hard to quote because of the way he writes his stuff. So, and Frank O'Hare is just an absolute maniac on the page. So I couldn't quote him because it wouldn't make any sense if he just like took one snippet <laughs> out. Um, there's a few women that I absolutely adore, but I don't want to butcher their names. So I, I don't want to say exactly what their, what, um, what their quotes are. Cause I'm pretty sure I'd get them wrong and that'd be embarrassing. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, no, if you ever find yourself like in a poetry shop or something, I do recommend going through it. Cause it's weird, but it, it honestly is such a nice refreshing thing. And, and yeah, I'm, I don't know why I'm suddenly getting you guys on the poetry train. I'm so sorry. This is not no, me no, trying I to like, like it. I think, I think I could, I think I could enjoy reading poetry. It's very I, cool. I've obviously I've read poems in the past, but I yeah. don't like read poet poems on a on a regular basis. But I think it would be something that I would enjoy. Yeah, but thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting to us. You're welcome. Thanks for thanks for letting me come on and, and thanks for answering the question of your three people you'd invite <laughs> to a dinner party because it made me feel a <laughs> yeah. lot better about my answers. I know. I think you know, like it's probably someone else. Right, I'm gonna probably message you tomorrow, Gabrielle, and be like these are the three people These I actually are... wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah. put, put this in, in, in the show notes for next time. That yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of She Has a Goal in Mind. We really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe for weekly episodes and also leave us a review and follow us on social media at A Goal in Mind Podcast for updates.